And like the teachers had to stop me from taking class. They were like, Sai, if another injury happens, like it's on us. Welcome to Artist Talk Central, where we ask artists about their dreams and journeys and challenges and struggles. I'm your host, Buddy, and a bit of a weird friend, Sharice. Let's get right into it. Okay, so welcome back to the second part of our um, podcast. We had a little break and we would like to welcome our guest again, Saya Kawano. Um, she is a, a amazingly talented dancer um, born in uh, born in Japan. Born in- oh, born in Hong Kong, but is uh, Japanese by blood. Um, she's been to the U.S. and toured around different countries. Um and today we're going to go into a deep dive into one of the setbacks that you've had in your careers. Well, there's two things that I can remember. The first one being like my fractured elbow, which we'll get into later. Um, but the second one being, I think, the decision to leave the U.S. So as I told you in my journey in dance, um, you know, after graduating UCSB and I guess, joining a contemporary dance company and, you know, doing a few performances in North America. COVID hit basically right after I joined that company. And it was such a short-lived dance career, which internally I still feel like there's a small part of me that wants to continue that. Um, It's the whole reason why I went to the U.S. to study is because I wanted to pursue dance professionally there. Um, But as COVID happened, um, you know, obviously the decision to move back to Hong Kong was a really difficult one. But my parents really, really wanted me to because it just was so unsafe in America. Everything was so chaotic. chaotic. Nothing was stable. There was no performances. I was getting no income, you know, yet I was expected to continuously pay rent in L.A., which is expensive. Um, So, yeah, just really making that decision to come back was hard for me. And I think that was one of, to this day, probably the biggest pivotal moment and challenge of my entire life because I was, um, I don't know if you know much about the visa situation in the U.S. So um, if there's any, like, U.S. listeners um, or international students going to the U.S. So one thing is that when you are in the U.S. as a student, you're on the student visa. And then once you graduate, you can apply for the OTP, which allows you to stay in America for an extra year as long as you are working in the industry that you majored in. So I was doing that, right, as a dancer. Um, And then I was, my next step was to apply for the O-1 visa, which is the performing artist visa in America. I had a lawyer set up for that. I needed to pay 10K USD for that, but I also had that ready to go. Um, I had all my sponsorship documents ready to go, and I was honestly about to submit it, and then COVID hit. Um, Like, the silver lining is I didn't lose the 10K, (laughs) but, like, I was this close, and it was within a few days that my life completely shifted a 180 degree. And yeah, I made like the most difficult choice. And I remember hopping on the plane and I was like telling myself, I was like, this is probably the last time, like I'll never be able to come back to this life and have all the access that I had living in America. So that was a huge, huge pivotal moment and how that shaped me today. Um, The whole positive outlook that we talk about later in part two, um, this was kind of where it started, to be honest. Um, Of course, the injury had a huge part, but this was like 
for me, it was like I was leaving a career behind, a dream of mine behind. Um, and I saw it as like a silver lining where now, yes, it jump-started my teaching career really fast and early on, but I'm super grateful to have the career that I have today, which is teaching students dance, theater, Japanese, but mainly my focus will be like bringing in dance. Um, and that fire that I had while I was in America, it's continued in today because, especially because I left that dream of mine, I was like, I don't have another option to fail. So that's kind of the drive that I have. <laughs> How did you feel? I mean, at that moment when you realized that, um, you know, you had to go back to Hong Kong where the possibilities of being a dancer are so much more limited than being in L.A. I mean, I think I think there are good and bads to being a dancer in Hong Kong because in Hong Kong, the, the circle is smaller. And once you get into a certain kind of, I don't know, ranking maybe, you, you get the connections. But I'm guessing as somebody who came back from overseas, you didn't originally have that support system. Not like people who are, were dancers in Hong Kong who have been to the studios, for example, seven, six years in a row, and they already know how, when you came into that, how did, how did that make you feel? Um, I think the major thing, well, first of all, I was in denial. <laughs> um, when I, honest, yeah, I was, I was in denial when I was on the plane. I was still in denial. I landed in Hong Kong. I was still in denial. I got all my boxes from LA ship. I was still in denial. <laughs> um, and like, you know, I was in denial for quite a long time. I think I was out of denial when I decided to take the first step to progress my education career, like my teaching career. So when I applied to a master's in education program at HKU that was like okay it's really not over but U.S. career dance career is over um, and then in terms of a shift to Hong Kong uh, like there's so I I really like contemporary like contemporary is my main style I think as, as well as jazz I think jazz is my background contemporary is my love <laughs> and then I mean if you look at, around in Hong Kong there's not a lot of contemporary dance styles or dance companies. I mean, I looked into like Hong Kong dance company and I also know like another contemporary company. But one of the major things I was told when I auditioned for this contemporary dance company is that I don't speak Cantonese. So that was like another, I think, not shock, but I was like, oh, I didn't know that was a barrier. Um, and I guess it is for some people. I mean, I'm sure others will say, no, it's not like you can keep going. But I was told by someone that, you know, speaking Cantonese, you won't be able to understand like the, the image or the vision that the choreographer has. When was this? When this was, um, this was actually after I came back. Um, maybe I should leave out the guy's name. <laughs> Let's uh, cut okay. that. <laughs> but um, no, yeah, I was told that, you know, Canton not being able to understand Cantonese was a barrier, especially when, um, you know, performing the choreographers or the director's vision um, because they won't be able to articulate it well in English, but they can articulate it in Cantonese. So that, I think, was a major like, oh, okay, so even if I'm good or, you know, I, because I can't speak Cantonese then I can't be part of it. And I think that is a bit of a reality, maybe, I'm assuming. And, like, you know, even all of, like, the backup dancers, you know, for, like, these big, you know, 
stars in Hong Kong. Like, I'm sure the choreographers are all speaking in Cantonese. And, like, I know basics, like, mandi, faiji, zhenzot, yao, whatever. I know the basics, yeah. But to me, like, I think dance is a body, you know, expression. I'm like, as long as you show it to me, I can probably do it and, like, try to mimic it. So I didn't know that was a barrier, but... I think, yeah. I mean, I don't think it should be, but unfortunately that might be the harsh reality in a lot of different countries if you're in Hong Kong or anywhere else in the world. Uh, but so you, you're right now, you're doing a master's alongside of the... Oh, you just finished your master's. Yeah. How, how, what, was your, what did you master in again? Um, education with a specialism in curriculum and pedagogy. <laughs> Peda what what? <laughs> Pedagogy. So that just means like um, like the approach to teaching, how you teach. Uh, okay, okay. So that kind of allows you to like uh, pave your way, pave, pave, pass your way, pave your way, pave your way for, you know, your future uh, career in teaching and dance. And yeah. Going back to our theme about bouncing back and conquering setbacks, you mentioned that um, there was another injury a one injury that you had um, during your career, which was a fractured elbow. Would you like to tell the audience a little bit about that? So yeah, one major injuries that I can remember um, in terms of my dance career is that I fractured my right elbow. Um, and it was during rehearsals, in a dance rehearsal actually. And I was doing a lift with a partner of mine and it wasn't his fault at all. It was no one's fault. It was just a freak accident. Um, and basically the lift was... He was, like, down on his, like, knees, like, mm-hmm. as in I would roll on his back. Yeah. And then I would hook, I would hook one um, arm yeah. into his, like, arm so that it would cause stability. And then I would do, like, a cartwheel flip back on his back and land on the other side. Now, as I landed on the other side, um, I guess we forgot to unlink my arm that was hooked in the initial arm here. And... Um, yeah, I already have like hyperextended elbows, but as you can imagine, as I landed on the opposite side, it hyperextended even more. And now the cracking sound that made after I landed, like obviously I knew that was my elbow. He thought my pants ripped. That's how like insane the sound was. And he just like stood up as if like, oh, she just ripped her pants. <laughs> and then he looked over at me and I was like on the floor grabbing my elbow and I was like oh my god like this is not good and I I think I cried but I cried not in pain but in just shock and I I just I think I was so much in shock that I I didn't have time to feel the pain to be honest um but yeah I fractured that elbow and it was probably one of the most difficult times also it was my right arm and we were three weeks out of our opening night for the UCSB dance company and the doctors told me I wouldn't be able to dance for at least four to six weeks. And I was just like, no, no, this is not happening. Um, I don't know if you know this about me, but I don't really take no for an answer. (laughs) So, um, yeah, I did everything I could to kind of rehab and get myself on stage, which I actually managed to do. Everyone was like, you're insane, Saya. But I was like, if I put my mind to do something, gonna do it so that's kind of yeah I mean yeah people do say mind over matter but you definitely should still you know be aware of your body and listen to what your body is telling you um but yeah that was must have been a crazy experience so that was you in uni and you were touring were you in some uh, another country 
so um, it was in uni. It was our senior year. Our opening show was in uni campus. So we were still in Santa Barbara. And then after that opening show, I think we would have begun our tour to Europe. But yeah, that was... Yeah, but I really wanted to be there for the opening night. I don't know. I think it's a big deal. <laughs> I think that's one of the uh, worst nightmares a dancer could have is to have some kind of injury that you can't bounce back from. But would you like to say something about your recovery and how you went to rehab and all that? Yeah. Um, I mean, what did I do? I basically, like physically, I couldn't really... So my arm was in a sling. Um, so I couldn't really do anything with my right arm. Like I couldn't wash my face. I couldn't take a shower. I couldn't brush my teeth. Like everything I had to just change to my left arm. Um, I did do some physical therapy sessions where they kind of gave me basic exercises and like massaged it a little bit, but nothing too crazy, especially for the first two weeks because I couldn't really do much. And the doctor just told me to just keep it in the sling. Um, one of the main things that I realized, though, is that I feel like it gave me muscle stiffness to be in, like, a single position for so long that after I got out of the sling, I felt like that pain to re-remember how to move my arm was more than the actual injury itself. How, how long were you in the sling for? Um, so doctors said I should be in it at least for four to six weeks. I was out of it <laughs> by maybe, like, two and a half three <laughs> don't kill me pts out there are gonna kill me <laughs> but yeah but oh yeah i mean i mean if you don't move you know a certain area for so long it must be a really numbing process and yeah and um speaking of physical therapy and how was how was the overall recovery for you? So I had a really strong support system, actually. So the moment the injury happened, my parents, God bless them, they immediately booked a flight all the way from Hong Kong to America. And yeah, they just on the next flight. And it was just like, I didn't expect that from them, but it was also kind of what I needed because I was basically told that I couldn't dance for such a long period of time in my senior year of college in probably one of the most important performances that in my mind at the time was. Um, so that support system from my parents was just, I, yeah, they were the best parents and they still are, but like that was honestly such a monumental moment for me. Um, cause mentally I feel like I'm quite strong in a lot of sense, but that time was probably quite low. Um, so just having, you know, your parents there was just parental love was nice. And then obviously my friends, they were all super supportive, but I would come to dance class because I didn't like missing dance class with my sling. And I would still participate in class, but I would only do like the footwork and stuff. And like the teachers had to stop me from taking class. They were like, Sia, if another injury happens, like it's on us, you know? And I was like, no, it's on me. Don't worry. <laughs> But yeah, my friends are like, Sai, you need to chill because yeah. like you need to get better so that you can actually tour with us, you know? And I was like, can I just do some like tondus and stuff? Like it's fine. But yeah, that was that was kind of like the recovery process. Yeah. I mean, I think having a support system in general is really important and I'm glad you had that. But sometimes um, sometimes you don't have it and you're, you might actually be in a country alone. But I think it's... Often things, uh, mind over mind over matter, is that how you say the quote? And I think it does work. And to everyone, I don't know, whoever's listening to this podcast and needs that kind of help, 
we are your support system and we believe that you can do it so yeah um do you think that uh, having that support system and having you know some kind of positive mental attitude helped you had an impact on you going through this recovery a hundred thousand ten million percent um but i think you know finding that positive outlook is doesn't come easy for everyone i think for me how i approach things is that i see any obstacle or setback as like an opportunity for me to be like okay this is a challenge for myself like this little adversity or situation that i'm in like let me see let me challenge myself and see what i do to overcome it and i think that's what shapes us as people these adverse moments so i actually appreciate that that happened to me because that was the fire that I bring in today to my teaching. Like all of that fire that I had when I broke my elbow, it just completely translated into my career later on. So yeah, don't be afraid of adverse moments in my opinion. Yeah. But was there a point, but the doctor never said that you could never go back to dance, right? Okay, so so I guess you got uh, lucky in that term, but sometimes um, artists and dancers in general or singers, sometimes they do have fatal injuries. Um, I know you personally never went through that, but do you have any advice in terms of how to how to click into that positive mindset and what you what advice kind of you would give to them? Yeah. Oh gosh, I don't want to think because like now I'm like trying to put myself in the in the situation where it's like, imagine if I had an injury where dance was completely taken away from me, right? Gosh, I don't because that's for me. It's like it's part of your identity, and I'm sure any you singing like imagine if you lost your vocal cords, right? Like that stuff is just so unimaginable. But I think for me, it's like. Oh gosh, I'm trying to imagine really, but I think I would just try to be grateful, I guess, that I would still be alive. So yeah, I think that would be my next thought, to be honest, because if it was that yeah, bad. if it yeah. was that bad, like, and I lost part of myself, like my, my next big thing would be like, you know what, I'm still alive. I could put, potentially find a new passion. Um, this isn't like the end of the world, even though part of me is gone, but, or, you know, honestly, like if I can't dance myself, my next thought actually would be to teach it which I'm doing now, but luckily I can still dance. But, you know, teaching the knowledge and sharing the knowledge that I gathered from when I was younger. So that would probably be the next thing. Yeah, yeah, so how you stayed motivated was that you kept going to the classes, right? And then you just kept, you know, I'm not going to take no as an answer. I'm just going to keep going, which I think uh, to a certain extent, that's a very good, you know, mindset and positive thinking attitude to have is that, you know, no matter what, you're going to go through it mentally because once you go through it mentally, I feel like you allow your body the f- to do that physically. And, like, also one thing that I told myself as well is that this physical, not disability, but this physical ailment <laughs> is temporary. Um, but how I chose to go about this difficult situation is permanent, right? Like, how I you know, went through that whole experience that will stay with me. My fracture, like, you can't even tell that I fractured my elbow. So that's, that's another thing. Yeah. Does it still affect you today? Your injury? No, no. Okay. That's good. 
so you're still able to go back to your ability that you were able to do before. Okay, that's that's very happy. I'm very happy for you. Good to hear about that. And yeah, did you do a therapy of any kind? Um, you talked about physio and physio, just physio actually. Um, I don't know how much it helped. I think it definitely helped in terms of like I really enjoyed the massages because I was just like, okay, that feels really nice. But um, once I started developing like um, bruising, which happened later at a later stage, which is usually what happens when you break a bone, um, that's when I realized, okay, it's healing. <laughs> when I started to see the bruising, I was like, okay, I think I'm on my road to recovery here. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Hmm. I think we've pretty much covered everything that we've wanted to discuss. I mean, is there anything else that you want to let people who are listening to this know? I don't know, injured, um, dancer, or and dancers, dancer, dancer, <laughs> dancer, um, injured. I don't know any kind of last word. No. That, I, don't, I shouldn't say that. Not last words. You're not dying. Oh, my God. Um, but, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm just going to go back to the advice that I gave earlier. Just, like, don't forget your why. Um, and if it's something that you genuinely enjoy doing, just keep doing it. And who... Am I allowed to swear? Yeah. No. Yeah. Who the fuck cares about what other, what other people think? <laughs> just keep doing you. Because at the end of the day, it's just you versus the world. You know, I always also say this, like you entered the world alone with the help of your mother and you're, you're going to exit this world alone as well. So, yeah, stop worrying about what other people think of you and just do what you want to do. That That is great advice. I feel like people, you know, me even, I'm so, so much stopped about what other people think about me. So just fucking do it just start if you want to start something start doing it that's what i said when i started this podcast i'm like i've been on this gap year for a whole ass year now and if i don't do it now then i won't have any other chance to do it but thank you so so much as our first ever guest on this podcast we are artist talk central and i'm your host sharice thank you very much for listening and we'll see you next episode Thank you.